Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The volume. Just a reminder that you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is the new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store, and make sure you follow me at Chris Mannix to get notified when I go live. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. Glad you could join me this week. Glad you could join me every week. We are live on AMP. So if you want to listen to this show, as always, subscribe to the AMP feed at Chris Mannix. You get the show first before it comes out on the podcast feed. We've got a short show for you today. Technically speaking, I'm on vacation for the next couple of weeks, but it was an interesting weekend in boxing, heavyweight boxing. I want to jump on and talk about that next week. I taped a podcast with a very interesting figure in boxing. Someone you know, someone you've seen a lot of, but maybe you do not know this person's story. So it'll be a great episode next week to hear my conversation with that individual. Uh, This week, I've got my good friend from across the pond, Gareth A. Davies, The Telegraph. Uh, You see him on TalkSport. Hear him on TalkSport. Does a great job on all platforms over in the UK. And he was ringside in London, O2 Arena, when Anthony Joshua put down Robert Hellenius in the seventh round of that fight. And Gareth, that is the topic I want to talk about today, the Anthony Joshua win this past weekend. So let's just start right from the top. Give me your overall assessment, maybe even an overall grade for Anthony Joshua's win over Robert Hellenius. Well, I'm going to grade your introduction, first of all, okay, because... Um, our manic machinations with manics, who's a couple of things, right? I've got to pick the bones out of these. All right. Technically on holiday. You're either on holiday or you're not. I guess I'm not in the moment. In the moment, I'm not on holiday. Like no. In about an hour yeah. and a half, I'm back on holiday. How about that? You're on <laughs> holiday, but working, and it happens yes. to the best of us. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. And I forgive everyone that you've left at the dinner table right mm-hmm. now or 
drinking their Beaujolais. I'll rejoin them. I'll rejoin them very shortly. Good, good. I hope you're not cooking, that's all. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> and secondly, that was a horrible tease of who it might be next week. Horrible? I can't get... Well, no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, like monstrous. I, I often use uh, a monstrosity, I often use as a, as a kind of positive, not a pejorative. Mm. And come on, I'm, I can't concentrate on my question until you tell us <laughs> no. who is joining you next week. I can't, but I, I tell you, you as someone that is a veteran of the boxing industry, you probably know pieces of this man's story, but... Uh, he is a very visible figure in boxing and someone I don't think people have the full scope of his story. And we sat down for about 40 minutes recently and talked about it. So uh, it, it'll be one to look forward to, I think. I, th I found it very interesting. It is not Al Heyman. I will tell you, it is not Al Heyman. If it was Al Heyman, I would be doing way more teases than that. And if it was Al Heyman, I would have run it already just to get the news of an Al Heyman interview out there. So if Al Heyman is listening to the show and wants to come on, he is welcome. Uh, however, he is not my special guest next week. Would it upset you if I've got an Al Heyman interview that's coming out in the next oh, few man. days? I'd be envious. I'd be, you know, I'm a subscriber to the Telegraph. I would be ready, waiting, and eager to uh, to read it or watch it no, or listen to no. it. Rather like Selenid Blavatnik, who obviously owns DAZN, I have asked, but he doesn't want to do an interview. And I have asked, I probably haven't asked Al Heyman for an interview for probably four or five years. It's yeah, very it's, difficult to get him. Fruitless. Sometimes you get a message from his people saying that he likes your work or he enjoyed your piece, but he's got his thing. I've just had an hour and a half with Eddie Hearn today, by the way, that was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You can see that. Um, on Boxing Fight Club with Boxing Social. It's my new um, TV show, if you like. Excellent. I've just done the 10th episode. He was amazing today. In his gym gear, because he's doing that men's health shit. He is. You know? He is. Right, to answer your question. Yes, I was working the broadcast uh, for TalkSport Live on Saturday night. I interviewed Anthony Joshua moments afterwards, then segued into a Conor McGregor interview, weirdly, because um, Conor was passing. He was great fun on the night. I was working with TalkSport and uh, the Telegraph, you know, that impossible dream of uh, broadcasting and writing at the same time on deadline. I, I mean, you can only do it when you're ADHD, and thank God I am. Um, but what did I make of it, in all seriousness, after this big preamble? Sorry, but it's always that way with you. I've known you too long, <laughs> and I'm just teasing you myself. We're seven minutes in, and I'm just giving you the answer. Um, I'm just keeping you from the from the... I can see the table laid outside in the 12 <laughs> guests. And the three girls, you, you kind of, which one is it going to be with Mannix later? Yeah, not so much you on that play one. Boy. <laughs> you playboy. Um, <laughs> um, tall, dark, and handsome, mate. Come on. Um, so, um, Anthony Joshua, for me, um, I'm, I'm going to give him a 7 out of 10 for Saturday night. Um, it was a... Not a dark and salient moment in his career, um, rather like Andy Ruiz was, or when he got up from being knocked down by Vladimir Klitschko. It wasn't a frustrating performance like the two against Alexander Usyk, but it was cautious. I'm not going to call it gun-shy. Even though he wasn't going into exchanges and counters, it was very cautious and very safe. Um, the use of the jab, body and head, 
trying to find a hole in Hellenius, who's an old dog and knows tricks and knows his way around the ring and showed it with great composure in the early three rounds of that fight. Joshua's left hook was disappointing. He was only throwing it from range. He listened. What I, what I liked was he listened very intently to Derek James, who had really good advice. Derek stopped him being caught by the jab down the middle and some right hands eventually. He got Joshua to rotate and move his feet and create angles. And he eventually did that in the seventh round to create a terrific angle for that right hand. Hellenius was tiring by then, mentally as well as physically. I give him a 7 out of 10 because he was, Joshua was never hurt in the fight. He took it on a week's notice. He took a pay cut of, I believe, 55%. Um, extraordinary, really. He made 14 other boxers happy. There weren't lots of complaints on Twitter sphere about the change of opponent. It takes amazing things not to overthink the situation he's in. He's under enormous pressure whenever he fights. Um, so I think he got the job done. He wasn't spectacular in terms of going in there and busting through in a gung-ho way uh, against Hellenius. But we haven't seen that for six years. Um, we saw a highlight reel knockout that belongs in that loop that DAZN put together, which was 2017 and previous, the whole of last week's fight week, when he was a, a gung-ho wrecking machine, a plunderer of victims. He's no longer that fighter. And I'll tell you this, Chris, and you know him well. He's not becoming John Malkovich. He's becoming Vladimir Klitschko. Mm. He is. Uh, and you used the word... Well, let me say first, I, I agree with you on the 7 out of 10. That would have been my scale there. I thought the jab was working for him pretty well. Uh, you used the word cautious. And I want to kind of drill down on that a little bit because we saw Joshua through six rounds throw 15 power punches. Now, for some context on... The Anthony Joshua early in his career, maybe at the peak of his career against the guy you named Vladimir Klitschko, through three rounds in that fight, he had thrown 17 power punches. So we are seeing, I believe, a continuation of the reinvented Anthony Joshua, the new version of Anthony Joshua, I think really emerged in earnest in the second fight against Andy Ruiz back in 2019. We saw more of that against Alexander Usyk. We saw more of that against Jermaine Franklin. This was, you know, the same guy. Uh, we did not see, I think I'd have to go back and look again, Gareth, but it was maybe once or twice we saw anything more than a two-punch combination. I mean, it was jab, then right hand or right hook or left hook uh, up the middle. Uh, the, the combination puncher that we saw against Vladimir Klitschko, against Dillian White the first time, against Charles Martin when he won his first heavyweight title. That fighter's not there. That fighter may never come back ever again. Um, I guess the follow-up to what you said was, are, are you seeing improvements in Anthony Joshua in his second fight with Derek James? Because we've heard a lot about that relationship. AJ has said nothing but positive things about how they've worked together. Are you seeing the fruits of that labor in Anthony Joshua? Yeah, I think to a certain extent. That's why I called it cautious and not gun-shy. Um, you're right. During the broadcast, myself, Adam Catterall, Spencer Oliver, and Andy Clark were all saying, where are the combinations? Mm -hmm. Because it looked like, as Hellenius fatigued 
I'd say from four or five rounds onwards, because most people wanted Joshua to do it by five. And I think, and, and having thrown a few combinations, like you say, there wasn't a combination beyond two punches. Um, and to, yeah, and to your just, point, to your point real quick, Gareth, like we do have to give Hellenius some credit for being oh. dangerous because in, in the minds of many people, especially in the U.S., Robert Hellenius is the guy that Deontay Wilder starts to one round. We have forgotten that, look, he took out Adam Kovnowski twice when Kovnowski was still undefeated and still considered a heavyweight contender. So there was still some meat on the bone of Robert Hellenius, even at 39 years old. Yeah, and even on six days' notice, because he didn't have, and he'd fought in a 15th century schloss in Finland, <laughs> yeah. a, a castle. It's you know, uh, he, he was he's probably fighting, you know, um, as an entertainment event. So I can't remember the guy's name, Mika, someone or other. But it mm. wasn't it was it wasn't a white collar event, but it was an entertainment event. You know, um, uh, it wasn't a, a true kind of high level boxing match. But he didn't have time to overthink it. He definitely came with fitness. He looked fantastic, by the way. He wasn't flabby. He's a great guy, isn't he, Hellenius, anyway? Yeah. I, I'm sure you've had time with him. I, I really like the guy. It took 10 minutes to say yes to the fight. Um, all week, he kept his cool. Um, he is an old dog, as I say. He knows his way around the ring. He took the center of the ring well in the, in the early rounds. Joshua's a notoriously slow starter now. He's got a good rangefinder, Hellenius, and he's got a very powerful right hand that you've got to respect, as you say. What he also did, and he told me about this, and boxers always have their reasons, and it is a game of chess at heavyweight level because these guys can change the course of a fight with a jab if they have to. Um, he'd been sparring loads, he said, with Deontay Wilde, and all their spars, they both just came forward. And he thought, what I'm going to have to do against Wilder is come forward and put it on him first. Push the bully, the blueprint that Tyson Fury set in the second fight with Wilder. You put Wilder. I don't think Wilder's a bully. I think he's a wonderful person. But when he fights, he has a very menacing presence and a bullying style. Because you know he's got equalizers in both hands. Mm -hmm. And he said, I was trying to push Deontay back. And he said, after the fight... And he, and he played possum Wilder, didn't he? And he said after the fight, Malik Scott and Deontay told him they'd been practicing a counter left hook off the back foot for two years. Yeah? So styles make fights, and the style in that fight was very come forward. He didn't come forward hard against Joshua. He met him in the middle. Um, I didn't, like you say, he, he deserves credit as well. But what I found concerning was Joshua not riding at all with Hellenius punches and punches and countering when he did come forwards. Joshua was moving backwards. That half step backwards that Manny Stewart, the, the late great Manny Stewart, who I'm sure we both loved, who was wonderful to be around, who would give you an hour when you wanted five minutes. Um, I went to his hand wrap class one day in London. No, wonderful man. Wonderful man. Um, he taught Klitschko to take one step back whenever anyone was advancing on him. And Klitschko, look what he did. After his catastrophes early in the career, that last phase, he was absolutely extraordinary till he met Tyson Fury. Here's what I think. Um, this is a style, I mean, you'll probably come to this, but I think it's an evolution 
with Joshua rather than a rebuilding at the moment. An evolution of a guy who can no longer be gung-ho because he knows what happens when he marches. It's like the experience of age. It's like it comes to all of us. We pick our battles, don't we? Mm -hmm. We pick our battles with our partners, our wives, our children, our bosses, our employers, people in the street. You pick your battles, you know? And I think he knows that he's taking more risks if he exchanges with other fighters. So it's a, a safety first measure. And that, that's how I see him at the moment, evolving into that. He's probably not got more than three fights left in mm. my view. I agree. Um, and those three fights are significant and those three fights are dangerous. And the first could potentially be a fight against Deontay Wilder. Eddie Hearn has been teasing for weeks now, months even, the possibility, now likelihood, that Saudi Arabia comes through with the right offer to make Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua. They're talking about January at the moment. Um, let's say that fight does materialize. The Anthony Joshua that you see right now, how do you assess that matchup with Joshua against Wilder, this version of both men? Well, I don't think he's going to get very far with the same game plan, the same strategy, yeah. the same ideology that he and Derek James are creating that he had against Jermaine Franklin and Hellenius against Deontay Wilder. Because Wilder, if you put Hellenius in his position, Hellenius did land some punches. I, I, I said at the time, straight after the fight, I didn't think Joshua would ship too much punishment he, he, he took a few punches afterwards when you look at it afterwards. That that in left the, eye, was it the left eye and the bloody nose he had? Yeah. You know, and I, look, I, Hellenius, after that fifth round, I thought Hellenius had his best round in the fifth. And after that fifth round, he went back to the corner. He was hollering. He came out of the ring, uh, out of the corner. After the fifth round, hands held high in the air. Like, Hellenius was feeling pretty good about himself. He had a quote recently to somebody uh, in his home country about, like, saying, I thought I had the fight in control through six rounds. Well, I dispute that, but I did think he had uh, a pretty fair amount of success through five rounds, the kind of success that if it's Deontay Wilder instead of Robert Hellenius, that's going to be trouble for this version of Anthony Joshua. Yeah, much fitter Hellenius, who'd, who'd had a, if he'd had an eight-week camp for Joshua, mm -hmm. um, I think his fitness, well, his explanation was afterwards um, was my fitness started to go. And it, you could tell, he, he, he sometimes carries uh, the look of a worried Viking. I mean, he was, he, as he said at the beginning, and uh, he, he told me for Talk Sport on, on the Wednesday or the Thursday, I'm embracing Valhalla here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it all, the Nordic nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, and he, his fitness probably did tell, but he had to be very focused against Joshua. The trouble is, we talk from a standpoint with Joshua of, I think someone we always want more from, weirdly. There's a level of expectation for him because of his stellar rise and his Olympic super heavyweight gold and his wrecking ball plundering style that was there, that we want that back. It's a bit like, you'll recognize this, great fighters we've followed on extraordinary nights when we can't sleep afterwards for a couple of days because the adrenaline is still around us, never mind them. Those great fighters, we wait for one more great fight before the end, you know? And you just hope Joshua's got two more great fights in him. 
And those two great fights are Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Mm. And obviously, Deontay Wilder's people are saying the same. We want two great fights in you. Or maybe three. We want For Wilder, we want a great fight against Joshua, a great fight against Dusik, a great fight maybe against Joe Joyce or Zhili Zhang, and maybe a great fourth fight with Tyson Fury. And that's, that is conceivable for Deontay Wilder, by the way. He's got, he's been knocked down four times now by Fury and mm-hmm. got up every time until he was ne- either stopped or nailed. Didn't want that towel coming in. Was it seventh round in the second yeah. fight? He didn't want that towel coming in. He didn't want to get stopped. He didn't stop till he was nailed. Was it the 11th round in the third fight? 11th round down and out from that. Yeah. Right and, and Fury and Fury was down. To, that's one of the, I'm, I'm sorry. I know people accuse me of being very pro Fury. I'm very pro Wilder. I'm very pro Joshua. I'm pro all of them. Hmm. That's one of the greatest heavyweight fights I've ever seen. Live. I agree. I agree. Drama, I, theater, everything. Um, so to come back to, to the main point, I make, I make Wilder a very big favorite mm. um, against Joshua based on what we've seen in the last two fights. I would too. Because Wilder I, I, will hit you. Yeah, I would too. That, that straight right hand from Wilder. You could see AJ. I, I think AJ would be even more cautious against Deontay Wilder. You know, I, I think but he shouldn't was, be. No, I don't think. No, I agree. I think you got to push him back. I think you got to do exactly what Tyson Fury was doing. But in doing that, you've got to be willing to eat some shots. And that's what Fury did. I mean, Fury went down repeatedly in the first three fights. Uh, but he got back up and he wound up finishing those fights. At least the last but two But he of didn't them. in the second fight. He didn't even allow Wilder. He right. Didn't, first fight and third fight, yeah. Different fighters, different styles. But Fury is very evasive as well. We forget how, how evasive he can be. And how he ties people up. Joshua doesn't tie people up in the same way. No. Um, it's a very dangerous fight for him. But the, 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 the truckload of gold at the end of it, if he can pull it off, is extraordinary. You can't sit here. Uh, as I said, I was with Eddie Hearn earlier today. But Eddie's convinced he's his guy. They're very good mates. They've grown through the sport together. It's, when you close your eyes and watch the silhouettes moving, I'd love Anthony Joshua to win because I'd love to see... Uh, a triumphant Joshua then fight Tyson Fury, which for us Brits would make the biggest, richest British, all British clash of all time. But when I close my eyes, Chris, which I often do with the silhouettes, I see that right hand come crashing through or that, or that jab coming through, putting it over Joshua's eyes, shielding him and that big right hand coming through the gloves in the middle or even a left hook. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and look, we talk about Wilder if somehow AJ got through Wilder, I, I would give him very little chance against Fury. I, I think Fury well, I don't would know. just I don't know. I, look. I just think look, you've got to if you're going to beat Fury, you've got to engage with him. I, I don't think you can. You can't win a boxing match against a pound for pound guy like Tyson Fury. You can't. He's going to box circles around. You've got to engage with him and make it more of a fight. And based on what I've seen, Gareth, over the last four years. I don't know if Anthony Joshua has that fight in him anymore. I don't care what, what who trains him. I just think mentally he's just not there where he's going to, you know, drop his hands like he did against Dillian White and throw and get up off the canvas and engage with Vladimir Klitschko and knock him out. I just don't think that guy's there anymore. And no, I, feel like I, I'm ha- I feel like I'm saying yeah. the same things 
after each and every one of Anthony Joshua's yeah. most recent yeah. fights, the Usyk fights, the Franklin fight, and now this fight, he's technically changing a little bit because of who is working with him. But ultimately, if he's not willing to throw three, four, five, six punch combinations that put him in danger, he's going to have a really hard time winning at these highest of levels. I completely agree. And, and as I said, you can't give him no chance against Fury. But again, I make Fury a massive favourite in, in the fight with Joshua as well. I, if I had to pick a round, I think, you know, I think, in, I think Deontay Wilder probably gets through within seven, even if Joshua's having a good fight, um, unless he can put it on him. Um, and, and I think the same with Fury, if not maybe fewer rounds. If Fury wants to fight that way, you know, and, and wants to put it on him. The thing is with Joshua, if he does hit you hard you're probably going to go as well. You're probably going to go. But it's that combination, as you rightly say. You know, um, if he can get on the inside throw, because he's got a hellacious uppercut as well, hasn't he? Um, but like you say, it's, you know, the, the, the most fascinating stories I wrote on him last week lead in, lead, leading into it were, how do you not overthink a new opponent in, in, in six days? And also... Where is his mindset right now? And I must have spoken to, you know, we like to do pieces that are about voices. I must have spoken to 10 voices on him inside and outside his team. I don't agree with Tony Bellew and David Hay that he should take another fight before Wilder. It's just longing it out. Um, I do think as well, if, if he gets a decent, if he beats Wilder, of course, there's a massive fury fight there. Eddie Hearn believes even if he loses to Wilder, um, $60 million is the reported fee, by the way. Come on, just take it. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a great show. Everyone wants to see the fight um, because they want to see if Joshua can do it. Um, Eddie reckons the Fury fight is still there for, for, for Joshua, even if he loses to Wilder. So in a sense, he has nothing to lose other than a more blemished record. He's, he's going to struggle to be come the number one of this era. He needs a trilogy fight with Usyk. He needs to beat Fury and he needs to beat Wilder. If he does that, by the way, and even if he fights those two guys he hasn't fought, he will have fought all the other guys in the era and the other ones won't have, by the I, way. I honestly think, I mean, I disagree with Eddie on that one. I think if he loses to Wilder, the, the Fury fight's a wrap. I just don't, I don't see how you market that. If you've had lost twice to Usyk and you've lost to Deontay Wilder and your only wins are coming against mid-level guys like Jermaine Franklin and uh, Robert Hellenius. I don't see how you sell a fight like that to any public, much less the British public. Yeah, and if Fury loses to Usyk and you have two losers, which you sometimes I mean, maybe, do, yeah, you there'll could, be a rematch. There'll yeah, be a rematch. Yeah, maybe like that. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And... That's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, that's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, last thing for you, Gareth, also on that card, uh, we had Derek Chisora beat Gerald Washington. And look, I've had a lot of fun, like you have, watching Derek Chisora, covering Derek Chisora. Uh, I listened to his interviews after the fight saying he's going to press on. He won the fight, but... You know, he's a shell of his former self. And I I don't know. I heard Eddie Hearn say, you know, he probably won't put Chisora on any more of his shows. Chisora says he wants to fight three more times. What's your take on Chisora's decision to, or public decision, to continue fighting? Because this is a guy now in, what, his late 30s who... 39. Yeah, who has lost a lot of fights and absorbed some real punishment in those fights, been knocked out badly in many of those fights, of those losses. Uh, what's your take on Chisora's public declaration that he's going to fight on? As you say, he's in the late 30s, he's 39. Um, the problem for him, he kind of belongs in that old era of Frazier, Foreman, mm. Ali, who just got physically stronger in their 30s, you know? Um, although none of those, well, obviously Foreman did. But I think Frazier was gone at 32, wasn't he? And Ali at 33, 34. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, Ali carried on a little longer, didn't he? Um, look, um, we have to voice concern. He has taken a lot of punishment. But my words, he was under pressure against the very composed Gerald Washington for the first four rounds of that fight. I mean, mm-hmm. I had it close to a draw, if I'm honest. Um, Derek, I think, won... 8-2 on one card, something like that. Yeah, a lot of um, home cooking on that one. Maybe, yeah. We Let's, let's not go into that. Like, <laughs> like, I'm sorry for Joel. I'll tell you what, though. Malik Scott, obviously, who trains um, um, Gerald Washington, he'd taken a liking to... You know I like sartorial clothes. Um, he had t- I'd put a jacket on, especially for you tonight, by the way, So um, <laughs> with a pocket square. Um, um Malik Scott took a liking to a crushed black velvet jacket that I'd had tailored, uh, a waistcoat, or what do you call it, a vest, <laughs> um, that, uh, at the, at the weigh-in on Friday. And he tried it on even. It fitted him beautifully. 
um, which I was relieved to know because I'm not big anymore, but it still fitted um, Malik and you know Malik and, and Gerald are, are big guys, and he and. He, he said, oh, man, can I have it? And I said, well, I've got a couple of them, you know. Um, and I said, look, if your man beats Derek Chisora on Saturday night, I'll present, when I do the post-fight interview with you, I'll present you with the, the vest as well. Mm. And I dangled the vest up from the broadcast seat, so <laughs> Emily nodded as Derek was walking in in his Barbie outfit. You know, he, was, he, was, um, he was, had his daughters with him. Did you see all this? I did, I did. Kissed his daughters. He's an, he's an amazing, what I'm coming to is, he's an amazing showman. Whoa, Derek Chisel. Which, is, which was a lot of fun for, for years, but now, you know, you bring up his kids, like, it, the way he gets knocked out when he gets knocked out, and the beating that he's willing to take to deliver his own punishment, I, I, if I was Eddie Hearn, Frank Warren, any of the promoters in the U.S., I would be very reluctant to work with him again. That's, well, that's they're not I'm... licensing him, though. Yeah. Maybe it's the Boxing Board of Control's decision to yeah. do that. Remember, you remember Danny Williams, who beat Mike Tyson mm -hmm. uh, and, and fought at world level for a long time? I think he's had a fight recently. He, if he wants to get a license, I think he went to Finland to get a license. Mm -hmm. Latvia, Lapland. Father Christmas gave him a license mm -hmm. one year. Um, you know, if you... I, listen, I agree, agree wholeheartedly with your sentiments, okay? You know Derek's whole house is pink, by the way, as well, for his girls. It's painted <laughs> pink. He showed me pictures of it. He lives in a big house in North London. He's a moneyweight fighter. That's the problem. His fight with Gerald Washington was more entertaining than Flip Hergovich and Dempsey McKean, mm -hmm. frankly. You know, who, there was a lot on the line for those two guys as well. IBF number one, two unbeaten fighters. Um, and I, I've got to say, I don't think Usyk's going to struggle with Hergovich at all, by the way. I think he's going to run circles around him. Um, yeah. um, yes. You are right, Mr. Mannix. In your manic machinations, Mr. Mannix, <laughs> as, our, as our memorable meander through Saturday night draws to a minute minute's close, he should retire, but I bet you he fights once more in the dunes of Saudi Arabia. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to... I hate to see it. I mean, I understand that the money could be there, but I hope reputable, credible uh, boards of control, state athletic commissions, whatever, take a long look at where he is in his life and who he's facing for that matter. And, who, well, no, and how he's going to be in 10 years. Well, time. yeah, That's I mean, the... but like if you want to, if Derek Chisora wants to do what Robert Hellenius did last week, which is take like a homecoming fight against a nobody um, okay, maybe I somebody signs off on that. But to make the money Derek Chisora wants to make, he is going to have to face somebody probably dangerous. Um, but like the young, young up-and-coming stars, Moses Atalma, Johnny Fisher, yeah, pass, Fabio pass. Wardley, uh, yeah, I don't, Clark. I don't yeah. want to see yeah. that. No, I don't, no, I don't either. It's, no. it's just tough. It's just tough. One last thing for you before I let you go. Um, a couple weeks time, we will see Daniel Dubois against Usyk uh, in his first shot at a major heavyweight title. Uh, Dubois, I, I don't even know if we can say Dubois has earned this because he really went out and just won that secondary title from the WBA after getting knocked out by Joe Joyce. But you've seen Usyk style a lot in, in the UK over the years. You know Dubois pretty well. 
does Dubois have anything in his arsenal that is going to prove problematic for Alexander Usyk? Well, he's got incredible power with his right hand and a very good jab. Mm. And again, this is one of those fights. Take a leaf out of Tyson Fury in the second fight with Deontay Wilder. Go and put it on him. Mm. I know he's a southpaw. I know he's tricky. I know he's got brilliant footwork. He can dance all night like a Cossack. Um, he's nerveless. You know, he's, it, we cannot wait for him to, to fight Tyson Fury because it's such a great chess match. Dubois has got to put it on him. I think he's got to go out there and put it on him for four rounds. Let it all go for four rounds. Look at this Does he have that in fight. him? Does he have that in him? We, well, we talked about Joshua. We, we, Usyk is clever enough to know that Dubois has to do that in this fight. Yeah? Mm. So Usyk may look to pop him early with that angle he creates with the left hand. Yeah? He might land the backhand like he did against Anthony Joshua early. Do you remember? And it kept Joshua in that first fight. It kept Joshua back. He popped him a couple of times in the opening round or at least once. And it was like, whoa, where did that come from? That's what Dubois got to combat early and he's got to put it on him because he's a big, strong, heavy guy. What he needs to think in this, what hopefully Don Charles, Derek Chisora's old trainer, is telling Dubois, you've got everything to win. This is a win-win for you, whatever happens. Go out there and push him around, jump on him, hit him with elbows, hit him low, do whatever you want to do. Make it a dogfight from the beginning of the fight. That's what I do. I'm too small a man to do that, and I don't have that fight in me. Um, <laughs> but I would jump on Usyk. And if you get knocked out in two rounds doing it, fine. But jump on him, throw your hands, throw combinations, because you never know. You just never know. And I, and I know that's very raw and, and not very technical, but I think if he, you know, shit or bust, if one can say it that way, bleep or bust, mm -hmm. go for it. I don't, what do you think? Uh, I didn't learn much from Dubois' last win. Uh, I, I didn't think much of, uh, I'm blanking now on his name, Don King's guy. That had Kevin Laredo. Oh, Kevin Laredo. Before that, the the, um, the the Don King's guy that had the secondary title in the first oh, place. Oh, Trevor so. Bryan. Trevor Bryan. Yeah, I didn't think much of that. I didn't think much. Oh, no, it was terrible. That was, that was, it was... It was one of the most extraordinarily weird events I've ever seen with yeah. water coming through the roof into a bucket yeah. by ringside. Strange, strange um, night. So I don't, I don't know. 19 Look people and two dogs sitting in the audience. I mean, I mean, I wasn't there, actually, I've got to be honest, but a very odd thing to watch. Yeah, I think he's just going to have a lot of problem with the skill set of Usyk, just like everybody does. I think Usyk's yeah. going to mix it up. He's going to throw a lot of punches. Um, his jab is going to be difficult. That straight left hand is going to be difficult. I just think... Usyk is too experienced, too smart. He's going to be fighting on his home turf for like the first time ever, basically fighting in Poland, which is a, a de facto home game uh, for Alexander Usyk. I, I just think this is pressure though as well. That's sure. Pressure. Yeah, this pressure. But Usyk just seems this kind of guy that's impervious to it. Like there's nothing seems to bother him ever. No. Like, you know, there's, there's what certainly... What when your country's at war? It's just a fight. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and look, he, he goes into to the UK and beats Tony Bellew. He goes into the UK and beats Anthony Joshua. There, there's nothing that bothers him. He just... He's such a professional, and he's so smart, and he's peaking right now. Even though he's in his mid-30s, it feels like he's peaking right now at this moment. And look, we talked about this briefly with Terrence Crawford you know, last week where you know, we heard Bo Mac, Brian McIntyre say, look, 
you guys let Terrence Crawford grow into a welterweight. That was a mistake. I think right now Usyk has grown into a heavyweight, which when you combine his skill set with the newfound comfort of his body, he's going to be tough for anybody, Tyson Fury included, which, which maybe Tyson Fury and his team are aware of, that they know, you know just how good this guy is. It's been my pleasure today, by the way. I know you're going to get rid of me in a second. It's been my pleasure today. You said this is going to be a shortened podcast today. They're all sitting waiting for dinner. Am I the last guest? <laughs> you you are. You are the only guest this week. Right. Well, we're... okay. We'll get your backside back to that tablecloth. Get some Beaujolais or whatever it is in you that you want to drink off. Have a tequila on me. Beaujolais. And I will buy you one this when we're is, next This is America, bar. Gareth. I drink Bud Light when I in America. Okay. That's, drink that's... Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. Cheers from me. I've just got water at the moment. Cheers yes, from me. Uh, I've got to go and do more work. Do more it's work. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. It's such high-level questions about, you know, it's always a pleasure to speak with you because we've been doing this a long time, and it is like sitting – we have these chats at the bar for an hour, don't we? Do. We? we do. Over a, over a double Patron and a, and a Bud Light. Well, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Will I see you – at any of these fights, uh, it's Fury Naganu or Fury Naganu, um, maybe, maybe Fury Naganu. We're working on some stuff over at the magazine good. about that. But we'll see what happens there. But check out all of Gareth A. Davies stuff, uh, Talk Sport, The Telegraph. He's got a great interview coming out with Eddie Hearn on Boxing Social. Gareth, always appreciate your time, my man. Love you, brother. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Gareth A. Davies for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.